OT Geniuses. My name is Jessica Lopez Hermanton, and I am the creator and founder of OT Genius. And you're listening to Pre-OT Secrets. On this show, we talk about how to get into occupational therapy school, how to do it in the most financially savvy way. And we also dive into the stories of pre-OTs, current OT professionals and students to learn how they got in and what their experiences were like. And so we're here to inspire, motivate, and encourage you throughout your OT journey and show you how you can be a successful OT school applicant and become the OT that you want to be. Now, on to the show. Hello, welcome OT geniuses. Welcome to another pre-OT secrets episode. I am excited about this episode as well. I know I'm excited about all my episodes, but this one is just really special (laughs) because I have a guest on here. She is the fieldwork coordinator and also a professor at University of St. Augustine, Miami campus. She teaches pediatrics, but here is the cool part. We have been friends since we were pre-occupational therapy students. So it's just such a pleasure and such, I guess you could say, such a wild ride and just a wild thought to even think about us doing a podcast episode (laughs) all these years later, having been practicing now for all of these years and how long we have just come about. But we have Dr. Bertrand, Dr. Christina Bertrand from University of St. Augustine, Miami campus. So how are you today? I'm doing well. I'm really excited. Thank you so much for having me. Super excited to be here. I'm just really happy. So St. Augustine reached out to me. And when they reached out to me, I knew exactly who I wanted to have on the show. (laughs) But I would love to know, Dr. Bertrand, a little bit about your role as a fieldwork coordinator at University of St. Augustine. And for those who are listening and maybe are not even familiar with that term, what is fieldwork and what do you do as a fieldwork coordinator? Well, so that's a very complex answer. So yeah, my career has been quite the wild ride. Like Jessica, I mentioned, I teach pediatrics. I'm a pediatric clinician through and through, but I'm also, apart from teaching the pediatrics course here at the Miami campus, for MOT and OTD students. I'm also an academic coordinator. So my job takes on many different roles. I always joke with the students that I wear many different hats. So I am basically the liaison between the university and fieldwork sites themselves. But fieldwork in and of itself takes many, many different journeys because you have level one fieldwork, which we oversee as well, which we can talk about a little bit later. And then we have level two fieldwork, which is your two 12-week rotations that occur at the end of your didactic portion of, of the curriculum. So after you've completed all of your coursework in OT school, you finish off with two 12-week rotations in two different settings. So for my gun-ho pediatric students who love peds, which was me, I still have to do an adult rotation. So you have to at least do one that's 
Uh, you can't do two rotations in the same setting, but I am in charge of all of the student placement. So I am one of three academic field coordinators here at the Miami campus. We also have what's called a clinical services associate, which she is in charge. She is an integral part of our team. Not every university has one, by the way, which makes University of St. Augustine a little bit different. Where I went to school for my master's, she didn't have a clinical services associate. The academic field coordinator found all the placements, did all the networking and all that. Our clinical services associate really is in charge of like onboarding requirements once you get your confirmed placement. She also reaches out to sites to see if they're able to take a student. And my job is to make sure that the fit, let's say I have Jessica Lopez-Hermanton as an MOT or OTD student. She expresses an interest in pediatrics that the site that we're then placing Jessica falls within her area and also her setting preferences. So to make sure that the fit is appropriate. I'm also really your liaison and guide between you and your field educator which is the person that oversees all of your fieldwork experience. They're what's called a, it used to be called a clinical instructor or CI way back when, but they're called fieldwork educators in the OT world. So it's the person that you work with over your 12 weeks that signs off to say that you're demonstrating entry-level skills. So my job takes on a lot of forms because I also do a lot of site development where I go to sites to see if they will partner with the university to take fieldwork students. I oversee the level one fieldwork experiences, which at the University of St. Augustine, each clinical application course has a level one fieldwork component embedded in it, which we can talk about after. It's more observational, not so treatment-based. So we have mental health, pediatrics, adults, and older adults, and each course comes with a level one fieldwork component. We also oversee all of that and make sure that the faculty members that are running the course are providing the most enriching and hands-on experience. So that was a really long answer, but I do a lot more than what I just explained. It's the general gist of, of my job. Um, she is a busy gal. She definitely is a busy gal, but she tries to definitely, like I've seen her live talking with students. And if you do decide to go to University of St. Augustine, Miami campus, you're going to love Dr. Bertrand. So um, thank you. (laughs) But yeah, so basically, guys, for those of you who may not have heard that term, fieldwork is basically your clinical rotation, so to speak. It's where it's your internship and you cannot for if you guys don't know, you guys cannot become an occupational therapist without doing it. And uh, there is a standard that is set by our national organization that each university must basically meet. But yeah, so if you're looking to see about like clinical rotations and stuff like that, you need to talk about it with your fieldwork coordinator at Mm -hmm. your prospective university. And each university will basically have someone that is in charge of that in one shape way or form. Yeah. So, and we're all, we're all governed by ACOAT, which is our accrediting body. Mm-hmm. Accrediting body. So um, we all have in terms of, even though fieldwork, like level one fieldwork in particular might look a little bit different depending on which university you go to, the academic fieldwork coordinator role is the same. And we have certain standards that we have to meet to ensure that we are providing the most student-centered experience. So I have certain regulations that I abide by, certain standards that I have to meet to ensure that I'm following the placement process and that each student is placed in a safe, ethical and professional site is is the goal and the standard. Speaking of fieldwork, for those who are listening, maybe they are going into fieldwork, right? Or maybe they were wondering about how is fieldwork going to look for them in the future? What is one thing you wish more students knew about fieldwork? 
Oh, that's a good question. It's a full-time job. So a lot of students, I think, are under the preconceived notion that they'll be able to work during fieldwork. Fieldwork is a full-time <laughs> unpaid job. So you don't get paid to go to fieldwork. <laughs> yeah, it's it's full-time um, and your 100% focus should be on fieldwork. What gets students a lot of times into trouble is they try to work or, you know, balance work on the weekends mm. or even after fieldwork hours. And it's just impossible because fieldwork also comes with its own quote unquote homework assignments where your fieldwork educator will say, okay, Jessica, today, tomorrow we have a, a patient who has a sensory processing need. He's sensory over responsive and also on the autism spectrum. Go home and review what could that look like for the clinical presentation. So even after you finish for the day, you still have extra tidbits that you will have to do treatment plans, evaluations, right. notes. I think if I had other than that, the second thing that I think gets the most, I mean, I don't want to say most, but a good number of students into a pickle, so to speak, is that they're really looking to make sure that you're safe, professional, and ethical. We have a lot of students that I think, you know, especially with the generational changes, their version of professionalism has changed. So we work a lot on the university front, front before they get on on field work on developing those professional skills because those are the most common phone calls I get from fieldwork educators is um, late arrival or let's say you have a patient who's scheduled to come at one o'clock and the student arrives at 1258. Well, you're late because you have to run chart reviews and prepare before going to set to patient um, or even just, you know, their, their communication. So we work a lot on the front end, you know, and preemptively and we work proactively to make sure that those situations are diffused before the students get out on field work. Very cool. Very, very cool. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, I know that for myself, I definitely had to be 30 minutes early for those chart reviews. And if I had a patient at eight, it didn't mean that I showed up at eight, you mm. know, or 7.58. It's I, I had to be there 30 minutes before to either talk with the fieldwork educator and to review any perspective things, maybe about what I wanted to do in that session and things of that nature in order to also be safe and to also make sure that it's going to benefit the patient. And so <clears throat> when it comes to fieldwork, I think that is just a key. And the professionalism, you know, is definitely a thing. And I'll just talk about <laughs> this one experience. Like this is, I just want for you students to be careful out there. I'm going to share a story. So this is a true fieldwork story of mine. So I was in a level one it was my level one rotation. So I was basically, that means I had just done my first year, right, of school. And I was at a hospital and I had a great rotation. Okay. It was, it was great. It was fine. I loved it. I was working with adults. I was doing learning and doing a lot of things. But at the very end of my clinical rotation, my fieldwork educator all of a sudden brings up a conversation that I had with a patient. like maybe three weeks ago <laughs> in the beginning. And it was, so a little bit about me to give context. My mom, she works for an Anheuser-Busch distributor. So she works with alcohol. She also has worked with lots of wines and she's taught me a lot from a very, I honestly like very professional standpoint about wines like this would go well with maybe a red meat or if for this type of food maybe you'd want a white wine or these are the different types of white wines and these are the different types of brands so things of that nature we're not talking about doing anything crazy 
okay? So the patient that I had was from Napa. And I know that this particular patient, because we were talking and I asked him, well, what do you like to do for fun? Or like, what are some of your hobbies and interests? And just so I can kind of maybe just think a little bit more occupation-based, right? And so that's what I asked the patient. And then the patient said, oh, well, I love actually like going to the vineyards and I love learning about wines. Oh my gosh. My mom is actually, you know, she works for Anheuser-Busch and she like, she like, I know this about wine. Yeah, that would go really well with that food. Don't you think? That was literally the conversation. Apparently my fieldwork educator did not like that conversation. (laughs) But I did not find out about that till way later on. So, but yeah, so you guys, if I can give you any advice is to have that constant communication with your fieldwork educator and also try to find out if there's anything on the professional end that maybe they're not liking. Maybe you thought that you were supposed to arrive at 8 a.m., but that was not correct. And you're, if you're not asking, maybe you'll like, you know, you're supposed to be here at 730 so we can do our chart review. You know, so it's just that communication that I think can make the whole experience better for the student and for the fieldwork educator. So you as a student also need to take charge of your communication. And so I just encourage you to do that. And that's just my little two cents about that. Because, yeah, I didn't find out about that till later. And apparently it was just very perceived as unprofessional. And they never called my fieldwork educator or anything like that. But I just had to like, you know, hear about it later on. So as a student, I wasn't happy. So yeah. uh, And I think like setting those clear expectations. And again, I would tell students like fieldwork is really like the time where you're held under a big microscope. You have someone who's, who's analyzing you with this, you know, American Occupational Therapy Association midterm and final. It's, you know, it has all these standards that you have to meet. And again, you can't graduate as an OT unless you pass field work. So field work is pass fail. There's not a grade involved, but it's pass fail. You do have to meet at least a score of 111 by final time with the new AOTA performance evaluation tool. So it's really, it's not the time to, you know, make best friends. It's the time to really, or chime in on set gossip that's going on in the facility or, you know, your views on happy hour at the end of the week, <laughs> you know, things like that. Or even, you know, you really have to be careful, especially, you know, we're not even talking, we're not even getting to the conversation of, you know, depending on where you go in the country for a field work, there are also different cultural norms and the way things are stated. So we also have students who will go even to like Georgia, Mississippi, Alabama, where the communication style is different than in South Florida where they get themselves into a little bit of a situation because, you know, you don't think, oh, like their communication is very different. Um, So just setting those clear expectations and, you know, making sure that you're open, you're honest, but you're also take initiative and saying like, oh, could you review that one more time? Or I need a little bit more help with soap notes or goals or anything like that really goes a long way and shows the educator that you care. And also, I mean, the main thing that they want to see is that you have a passion for the profession. OTs, you know, therapists in general, whether you're PT, OT, or speech, even nursing, they get very defensive when we have students who, who really don't know why they chose the profession. Yeah. And then it's almost like, well, they're safe keeping the OT profession because they only want to have students who are very passionate. So it helps to be passionate and driven for sure. 
as well. Especially if you want to increase your chances of getting admitted. And so I did briefly mention that, you know, we did go about our pre-OT journeys together. So we're going to talk about that in the following episode. And we will be discussing more about what that was like and how we leveraged those relationships and how did she get to where she is as a professor right now. But I definitely wanted to at least briefly talk about field work and share what that is like, what it is, and who should you be talking about? And what are some of the things that, you know, a fieldwork educator themselves wish that more students knew? So I think these are just very important questions. If you're a, you know, looking to, into becoming an occupational therapist and, you know, you got to go through occupational therapy school, go through fieldwork, all of that stuff. So we hope that you have found value in this. And before we sign off, Dr. Bertrand, do you have any words of wisdom for our students listening in or our listeners? No. I mean, I, I think really, if, if I had advice to my pre-OT self, I'd say not to stress as much as I did. I speak with a lot of students, obviously, because of the nature of, of, you know, what I do for work. But I always tell students, you know, really, the time to be a pre-OT student is so small. And the time you're in OT school is very, very, very short, believe it or not, especially depending on where you go, which program you get admitted and which one you decide on. And those friendships that you harbor and those times studying in the library or, you know, going, meeting your friends at a Starbucks to study for an anatomy exam in term one, whatever it might be. It goes so fast. And then by the time you get out there, you're 7, 10, 15 years in. And those are times that you never get back. So just enjoy yeah. as much as you possibly can. <laughs> Learn as much as you possibly can. And I was so students like focus on the now because they all want to graduate. They all want to be clinicians. Mm-hmm. But that comes with its challenges in and of itself. And then OT school, mm-hmm. you'll look back and you're like, oh, I missed the times where I would stay up till one o'clock in the morning studying with my friends. Yeah. Or, or I, I'm, you know, I really should have paid attention more in that lab versus stressing about my grades. All students want to get A's, but really, I think it's more important to take in the information to be a good mm-hmm. clinician versus good. the A on the test. Very, very true. And you're just making me think back, like, because, like, seriously, like, here I am just reminiscing about the times that we would, you know, either went to go do yoga, or even the times that we would just be at your house and just staying up till, I don't know, like, what time we would just be at your place just talking and hanging out and stuff like that. And it just goes so quick. And then now we are what, like over five years in (laughs) and it just comes, we're both married now and life just changes. And if I could, yeah, I can piggyback off of that. If there's any advice I want to give you guys is number one, two is embrace those relationships that you are making and embrace the now, embrace your pre-OT journey, embrace your OT student journey, because like Dr. Bertrand said, it does really go by really, really fast. And, um, you know, and Dr. Bertrand and I, we still have a really, really good friendship, but because life happens too, it's not like it was when we were in school, you know, or when we were pre-OTs or when we were OT students. So (laughs) it's just different in that sense. And so, and it's not to say that obviously like we won't you know that we don't like where we are in our life right now we 
since I am in touch with her, like we're both, I know we're both really happy and we're trying to make the best out of our careers and stuff of that nature. It's just things happen. Right. And so like, just life takes its course, marriage happens and kids happen and all of the different things. And so, um, just take advantage of the now guys, like, you know, it really is so short. All right. And so, um, thank you so much, Dr. Burchan for being on here and for just giving us a little bit of advice and I will see you guys in the next episode. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for joining me and taking time out of your day to listen. We hope that this has been of value to you and will get you one step closer towards becoming the OT that you want to be. One of the biggest problems I see is that pre-OTs, they try to do things alone. They do things in isolation and the connections that they have are minimal for many reasons. But we are changing that here at OT Genius and focusing instead on building a community for pre-OTs for them to have their first OT family and meet other pre-OTs current OT students and clinicians. To be a part of that awesome community, you can subscribe to our membership by going to otgenius.com. Just go to the tab, get me into OT school on the homepage, and you can join our awesome community there. You can also find our social medias and ways to get in touch with us on the website. So thank you again and see you in the next one.